0: Recorded
2: live. Hello,
3: everyone. This is a special pre Monaco edition of Let's Run.com's track talk. I'm Weldon Johnson, coming to you live from Minnesota, joined by Let's Let's Run.com co-founder Robert Johnson in Baltimore, and LRC guru Jonathan Galt in Boston. Jonathan, Robert, hello. Good afternoon. Glad to be here. Since we've last done this, we've had an incredible USA meet. And some fabulous action in Europe has kicked off with most un- the most unbelievable run I think I've seen in a long time. Evan Jager's eight flat steeple. But we're not going to waste too much time looking back today. We're going to look forward to Monaco. It's I, it's become somehow the premier distance event of, of in the world every year. I'm not sure when that happened or how it happened, but it, it's definitely the case. And I, I think this year we're in some for some fireworks. I
2: don't know, Robert Johns,
3: sort of, who wants to sort of kick off with some thoughts?
2: Well, I just want to echo what you said that well, then I think that, you know, in, in Formula One racing, the Monaco Grand Prix holds a special place in most of the fan parts. And, you know, it's just a cool atmosphere. It's a cool course. And I think the uh, Hercules meet in Monaco on the Diamond League circuit has sort of ascended to that level where, uh, you know, the distance runners know that there's going to be, you know, pretty much ideal conditions. It's a cool stadium. It's a really cool place to compete. You know, if if you're a Diamond League runner and you see that your event's a Diamond League event in Monaco, I think you'd be foolish to pass up a trip to compete there and stay in such a cool city. city. uh, I think it's going to be an exciting meet. And, yeah, I'm very excited for it.
0: I just yeah. wanted to correct the record on one thing on Weldon. Weldon said we haven't had an addition since USA. We did, of course, have track talk two weeks ago for the Paris meet. I guess Weldon's been on vacation and visiting all 50 states. Sort of forgot that we worked a couple weeks ago. A couple a week. ago. Was I on it?
3: My brain, my brain must be fried. Um, yeah, the, the Monaco meet, I went to it two years ago, and... It, it was pretty special. I mean, that was the meet where fire ran a three twenty eight, and Kip Rupp was ahead of him. Um, and it was also kind of interesting from a non-distance runner's perspective, because the mother of myself and Robert, who without much com would, would not be possible. It was her one and only diamond league meet. And the highlight of uh, the meet for her was, was not the distance action. It was Brigitta Barrett, um, High jumping and then singing. I think she sang the national anthem and then she sang a little like I don't know Aretha Franklin or some sort of Motown music after the meet and did a song and dance. (laughs) And I remember going up to her afterwards and just I was so amazed with the 1500. And she's like, Oh, well, yeah, that Olympic champion guy got beat. Um, So you know, it's I guess it's in, in the eye of the beholder, but. You know the, the men's 1500 might be a great place to start because two two years ago we did have have the fireworks there with Kiprop and um, Farah and we've got m- many of the same contenders competing again this year and it's just an interesting it's just such a fascinating event because we we've got the 1500 guys you know taking on Mo Farah once again. So, uh, I don't know. Robert, I guess, John, you, you're the one who's been doing the bulk of our previews. you want to break down the field for us?
2: Yeah, it's a great field. Um, as you said, Mo Farah and Asbel Kiprop resuming their uh, duel from two years ago. Uh, you've also got the Olympic champion, Tafik McLoopy. He was only fourth in Paris uh, uh, weeks ago, we- but he did run 330.50, uh, which, uh, which which is a tenth off of his Personal best. So he's in great shape. Uh, he ran 213 for the K a few weeks ago as well. Uh, then you've got the Americans, Matt Sensowitz and uh, Leo Manzano. Sensowitz, you know, has, this has been the best year of his life so far in terms of just how he's been running. He hasn't gotten a really fast time in yet. His season best in the 1500 uh, is only 337, which he ran to win USA's. But he dominated in that race and the free classic, he was second in the Bowman mile to uh, Yelne Suleiman. So I think Centro is looking to run very fast today, tomorrow. Leo also needs the A standard um, for the World Championship 336-2. He will will get that easily, most likely. Um, The question is how much lower can he go? But I think at the top, you know, with Farah, with uh, Kipra, with Luffy, and I think you have to put Cetowitz in there, given how he's done, and even though he hasn't run the fastest in Diamond League races in the past, he showed he can compete with the best of the world in a race at pre. I think he's going to be in contention up there. Then uh, you've also got Nick Willis, um, who is running. You know, this, he ran a 1,500, I think, a couple of weeks ago in uh, Italy. He only ran 3.39, but ran 1.46.9 in a time trial uh, a few days ago on Tuesday. And he seems to be in pretty good shape. And he ran 3.29 at this meet last year. So I think, you know, you throw him, he's always uh, pretty consistent in, in the mix and these things. So I think, yeah, it's a terrific field. And what I'm most, most interested to see is, you know, that matchup from a few years ago, Farah versus Kiprop. And does Mo Farah at age 32 still have 328
3: speed? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely interesting. I mean, uh, uh, until Farah ran the 328, I mean, no one thought Mo Farah had three. 28 speed. And at the sort of advanced age he did it, it was one of the most shocking runs I've ever seen. And, you know, as you said, he is two years older. So, uh, I mean, Farah has proven everyone wrong this year. He's, he's. It seems like, I think he's motivated to sort of try to create a legacy for him. And he's been taking on everyone at, you know, every distance from 3K to the half marathon. And know, uh, I mean, this could be part of his training plan, but to drop down here and take on the world's best at 1500 again is <laughs> It's very brave, and it's, you know, on one hand, I'm thinking, gloy well, he's got to be able to do what he did two years ago, but uh, on the other, I'm like, wait, that's crazy. He's two years older. He's not a 1,500 guy, and, you know, but, you know, I think Nick Willis is, is, is probably older than than Farah, so it's, you know, people can, run, people can run quick at an older age. Um, I think sort of the guidelines that we had about what's possible at a, what age is, definitely being shifted as, you know, the sport becomes more professional and people extend their careers.
0: Robert, what, was, what are your do thoughts? You have 15?
2: A, does have a
0: pick to win? Pick to win. Well, I was trying to, first of all, confirm whether Mo Farah is older than, younger than Nick Willis. Oh, wow, they're within 80 days. Nick Willis is like, <laughs> eight, is, is like 30 days younger than Mo Farah. They're both 32, so pretty close. But, um, I mean, uh, John, one thing I wanted to comment about John, I mean, John said he expects Sintowitz, you know, to contend for the win. And,
1: uh, you know, historically
0: in the Diamond League, he's been pretty awful. I mean, I I would agree with with John's assessment. I mean, he he was very close to the win at the Prefontaine Classic. But if you actually look at what Sintowitz has done in Monaco um, in the three times that he's run there, I mean, he's been pretty awful. He was... um, Ninth last year, and then um, the year before that, he was eighth, and then in 2011 he was tenth. So he he hasn't finished higher, you know, higher than eighth in the meet. So I mean, I you know the really fast time is the one thing that's eluded him. Based on what he's done this year, you'd think he's ready for it, but then again, he ran you know only a 149 800 last week. So it's kind of you know I'm I'm definitely looking. He's going to be a big guy that I'm watching there, um, and I'm kind of with Weldon. I mean, I, I think that just because Farah did it two years ago, you can't expect a ten thousand guy to run three twenty-eight. So I would be shocked if in this field he's second place. Um, but wow, in terms of predictions, that's going to be tough. I think there's we should do.
3: I think we should do two predictions. One, you know, I think. Uh, well, for, first, one is what I think Matt Central would do. Can, can he or Leo get under the 330 barrier? Um, you know, Robert pointed out, I think, what do you say, Central was ninth here in this race? But yeah, he also ran 331. Um, so that was his PR, right? So I yeah, think yeah. last year, Central would have been, help, been happy PRing, finished ninth. I think he's he's shown a new competitiveness this, this year, you know, second at pre. Um, and. and, and just with everything he's done what he closed that at USAs i think this year you know if he finishes if he prs and finishes ninth he's not going to be happy um i think he definitely wants to get under the 330 barrier uh, it'll be interesting to see sort of you know how this race goes well, two years ago they just really went at it from the gun and it was almost a time trial type deal um so so that'll be interesting and you know people do forget that leo manzano mm-hmm. beat centro here last year and still has to pass this pr think what three thirty ninety um, yeah. eight. So, you know, uh, for me, I, you know, I guess I guess we could say what what do we think Centro will do, or it could be what who do we think the first American will be, how fast, and then who do we think will win? Um, and I'll start off with, with the American portion. I think Centro's just you know the 140 what you he, he said he ran for 800 the subpar 800 he ran like I'll just totally discount that everyone is entitled to a bad race when they first go to Europe so I think you know if the race is a 328 race I think he's going to go under 330 I think he will be your first American um, and, and in terms of, of the win I'm a fan of Asco Kiprop so I'm, I'm going to pick him Monica's very special to him Um, He's kind of been staying off the circuit of late, but he always makes a point of showing up here and running well. And uh, there's no reason that shouldn't happen again this year. He's got to be ready for the Kenyon Trials in a couple weeks. So I'll I'll take Kiprop for the win. Um, You know, uh, Farah. Centro's got to be able to beat Mo Farah. So um, wherever Farah, let's put Farah in like fifth. That's my prediction.
0: Oh, Robert? Go. Sure. Um like Weldon, I'm a fan of Kiprop, but I think it's been interesting this year. I mean, you know, and I think um I added this to the to the preview last night, but I mean Kiprop in the past has been running you know, yeah. so fast in May. I think, you know, you know um you know, he's run hmm. three was it three twenty nine or three thirty in in May each of the last two years. Um so, you know, this year he hasn't been as fast. Um, he seems to be really peaking towards August. I mean, I think in 2000, 2012 he was in great shape in May and that didn't do him a lot of health at the Olympics. So, um, you know, he, he had a quote last week where he said he's only 70% fit. So I'm going to say McCluffy wins. I mean, everybody, you know, when we were in Paris, everybody was talking about McCluthie because he'd run 213 for the 1,000. Um and it was like always oh, unbeatable, blah, 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 blah. He's the Olympic champion. And, you know, he was only fourth there. They did run three thirty. But, you know, I, I think it ten times it takes a fifteen hundred or two to get, you know, to really get ready to go. So um I think the Olympic champion McCluffy will probably be your champ under three thirty. definitely think Centro is the top American. and I, I don't see any scenario where Lanzano beats Centroids. Um I'm gonna say that Centro uh, doesn't break three thirty. That's no American born runner has ever done that, um and then Central versus Farah, that's tough. I mean, why oh, would no. Farah beat central um I'm gonna say like well then central beats Farah, but they both run over three thirty so i i I'm gonna say the Nike Oregon project comes down to earth and runs some you know' some <laughs> reasonable time <laughs> 328 is just absurd, yeah, well, that of my prediction
2: i can I, I don't want to look silly and bet against Mo Farah because generally, you know, any time you say anyone's doubted Mo Farah this year, I mean, I guess Doha, he did lose in Doha, but he looked pretty dominant. I, I still think it's going to be a tough ask for him to win this race. Uh, he, again, he's he's a 32-year-old 10,000, 5,000 guy. I, I, it's just hard for me to imagine him leading I'm to Olympic champs, Kip Ropp and, uh, and McCluthy. So... I think I'm gonna go Kip rock for the win. I think the guy that started when he's you know when he's healthy and in pretty good shape he just won the Kenyan eight hundred championships uh I, I think you know he's a pretty good default pick for the win so i I'm gonna go with him. I think Centro will probably finish uh, you know I'm gonna go second i'm gonna say' I'm going to second again, because I look at the people on this list and you know McLoofy is some guy as a guy that can beat him he could definitely, he could lose to. The La de Aguida, he could lose to Farah, but I think Centro, this is his year. Uh, so I'm going to go second place. Uh, but I'm going to say it's about 330.3. I think he'll, he'll PR, he'll run in the 330, but I don't think he will break 330.
3: Yeah, you just said this is Centro's year. And I think an interesting question, you know, is whether he, you know... Okay. Whether he'll be ready in a month from now, I mean, mm-hmm. he's done so well at the worlds and and run well when it counted, but he's running so hot so early this year. He still got about another month before the worlds, you know, more than a month before worlds kick off. So um, it'd be interesting to see if he can keep this this form going. That, you know, past records indicate he should be ready when it counts, but you know that's one thing. And also, you know, we said we weren't going to look back too much, but a real quick thing, you know, you're talking about Mofar and how he's doing so well. And, well, you know, the 5,000 that he won this year, I think it was at 1311. Like I still can't believe these guys let races go slow where Mofar is in them. Um, I don't know when the last time, you know, make it at least a sub 13 race and see if he can win it. You know, it's, it's the slower the race and as long as it's not like a 14 minute race, but you know, I think it just helps Mo Farah's chances, at least in the 5k. He he seems unbeatable anyway, but why not make it a 1255 race and see what happens? Yep. It'll be interesting. If you're looking
0: at the, um, let's run. If you read our preview on the homepage, uh, 46% of the people, the fans are picking Kiprop for the win. 19% McCloskey, 15% centralist and 12% Farah. Um, and, in terms of centroids breaking three thirty thirty nine percent are saying yes um fifty are saying yes for centro fifty four per well and one percent are saying yes for Manzano, and seven percent six percent are saying yes for both Manzano and centroids um one thing I think a message board uh or one of the listeners is is posting in the chat box he's saying you know if there's really start up, I wouldn't rule them out, and that is a good point i mean I, I kind of feel like with the allegation. That it's going to go one of two ways. These guys are either going to have their mind and just be motivated and just be possessed, or it's going to affect them and they're going to kind of be off their game. And we haven't seen that yet. So, you know, that 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 victory the other day by Farah in the five thousand meant a lot to him. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I I just think that the last time he ran Monaco in the fifteen hundred it was a lot different. I mean, he wasn't a 1500 guy. He didn't own the European record and he didn't, there wasn't expectations that he would run this, you know, ungodly time. I mean, 328 isn't something that even a 1500 star like Kiprop can just go run in his sleep. So it's a lot different now when you sort of have pressure um, and have that time to chase, you know, you go through the, you know, a certain split and you get to 800 and you're 154 and you're not feeling great or whatever, you know, you, you, um, it, there's just a different expectation. So, anyways, um, if you're just joining us now, you're listening to a pre-Monaco edition of Track Talk. Um, if you're listening live at 5:21 p.m. on Thursday, you can call into the show by dialing 724-444-7444. Enter call ID 72655. Um, and I think we can sort of bring you in for a question, or you can post a question on the chat box or on the message board. Um, but the 1500 certainly should be great. And you know the women's 1500. Let's move to our talk to that. I mean, obviously the talking and track. And I think field we should
3: save, circles. We should save that one for last. We have got to keep people around. Um, I think we should okay. real quick. Real quickly, you know, you said something about the bar being especially motivated because of the Nike Oregon project, and uh, investigation. And he, you know, he definitely was pumped after that 5K win and felt it was some sort of vindication. But uh, one thing, you know, that did come out this week was sort of Kara Goucher's uh, almost non-response. Here's what she said uh, at USA's. I will most definitely
1: all of my evidence um, in the coming days, but I feel like, you know, the expression they took my quotes out of context, and when you put partial emails or
3: emails from a 10 email long chain and put one in, you don't get both sides. I understand that if you read it through, it looks like I'm a liar. I don't like being labeled a liar just like anybody else, but I, I want people to like me, but my love for the sport is much stronger
0: than my passion to have people like me. So do you talk to
3: and so that was Kara, you know, at least giving the impression that she was going to come out with a lot more publicly, and instead this week she sort of came out with a statement saying she wasn't going to say anything else publicly and that anything she did come out with she was going to share with USADA only. Um, personally, you know, I was a little bit, I don't know, disappointed is is the right word in it, but she had sort of raised expectations of, you know, of what was going to come out, and then she didn't come out with anything um you know if you listen to that carefully she, you know she said she was going to come out with more stuff i guess she, she could say she didn't necessarily say it was going to be public but um i don't know i, I just sort of you know I, I don't know do you guys have any thoughts on Kara and what she said And i almost kind of viewed it as a non-response response
0: well i i think that i yeah some people were disappointed i, I wasn't um in the sense of I mean, I think that when people hurt she was going to come out with more people, I think people falsely assume that meant more evidence of, of doping. Um, and that's not really, from talking to some people, um, not what I thought was going to come out. I, I think that it was going to take a more personal tone and provide more of a justification of why um, Adam Goucher was sort of very angry and unhappy, and I think that she probably decided, you know, that the personal stuff doesn't really add anything to doping allegations, whether Alberto Salazar is a jerk or whether Adam Goucher is a jerk. um, And whether they have personal sort of, you know, hatred for each other doesn't really have anything to do with the allegations. Um, I guess, unless you think one of them just, you know, making it up out of ill will. So I I think she probably thought it was going to be a sideshow and decided, you know, not to do it on that front. Um, But yeah, you know, I mean, I, I think that, as fans, you know, people want clarity, and I think, unfortunately, um, you know, we're not probably going to get clarity on this. I mean, you know, I mean, 2012, um, one of the Turks won the women's 1500 gold medal. That situation still has not been resolved. I mean, we heard that she tested positive, but to the best of my knowledge, correct me if I'm wrong, John or Welton, we still haven't heard. Well, almost in the next Olympics, was who won the gold medal in the 2012 Olympics, and that's a case where you actually have you know, analytical positive test. so without a biological passport. But so, you know, I I think that as a fan you get caught up and think, you know, I want this yeah. to be defined, I want this to be answered yeah. and that's not what we're gonna have. Um so I yeah, I can see why you're a little bit disappointed, but I, I think that, you know, do you want this yeah. to be a soap opera or do you want this to sort of let's let the, you know, investigation go on and see what happens. The thing that I don't like about investigations is, you know, if USADA does an investigation and finds that there isn't anything, they rarely announce, or you know, oh, we're not going to do anything. So I, I do think that they would owe that to someone to say, you know what, we've looked into it, we're not going to press charges whenever they're all said and done, so we don't have this hanging over our heads for 10 years. Um, you know, they're very tight-lipped on what they're doing. So those are my general thoughts. John, do you have any thoughts?
2: Um, yeah, my main thought is same, long, or, 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 the same lines as yours, which was <laughs> you know, what she was going to add is sort of the, sort of the drama between Almodo and her and <laughs> Adam Adelka. And I think she realized that that would basically be a cancer airing that dirty laundry. And like you said, it doesn't advance the doping investigation. So uh, I, I understand why she chose to keep chose that private. private. I am a little disappointed that she hasn't really yeah, she added do anything do else publicly. Else. Um, I know on Twitter she sort of made some vague allusions to an incident that may have occurred at USA's but hasn't exactly spoken about it. And, you know, I think perhaps she knows more and didn't quite choose to clarify it. But, you know, it, it's her choice. I, I, I would have liked to see her do it publicly after her, you know, strongly worded statement at USA's. But I am glad that she's gone to USADA, um And hopefully what she has done will – help produce uh, an outcome in the investigation and, you know, we can get we can pull the facts out there and the truth will be revealed. Will be revealed.
0: Yeah. I think oh, that's what we well, want. The the and... Real quick. I think there's an echo. I Cause it's... we have the Skype line on. Why? Can you
3: hear me? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's what we want. People want the truth to come out. And if, you know, Kara gave the impression that some emails were quoted out of context. And if that's the case, I think that's something that very easily could have been publicly disclosed and isn't of personal of nature. But you know, she's made her decision, and we'll have to, people have to live with it. Um, so I guess we should let's move back on to Monaco. And uh, I think before we talk about the women's 1500, which is just going to be a tremendous race for so many reasons. You got Jenny Simpson taking on Concevie de Baba. Let's first turn to a race with that has. Jenny Simpson's training partner in it, Emma Coburn, and that's the women's 3,000-meter steeplechase. I think, you know, this is a big race for Emma. Um, She didn't run too well the last time out. I mean, uh, for someone who you're thinking could possibly win a gold or a medal at the World Championships. But, um, you know, all all the leading contenders will be there in Monaco, and it it could be the first race of the year that goes really fast. Uh, John, how do you see the field?
2: Yeah, I I think this will be be, um, the um, first race of the year so far. Um, you know, like I said in the article the steeple has been especially slow this year but there have been several valid reasons for it, for it. Um, um, you know, a lot of them have been either in hot conditions or they were very close together or uh, the fields weren't that good but this one has pretty much all the top women in it uh, it's in a track that historically produces very fast times uh, Evan Jager broke the American record on this track a few years ago um, so and I think also Coburn, that was her first European race uh, in Lausanne. And, you know, as I've said, sometimes it takes a little bit to get you adjusted. Uh, sorry. Yes, uh, Lausanne was her first European race. So it takes a little bit to get adjusted to the time differences, training, just to get your body used to it. But I think now that she's over here, I think she has a great chance to run well. I, I think she can PR. I don't know if she will. But... I, you know, more more than pr I think what she needs to do is run with uh, Virginia Niambura. And she's the woman who's sort of, you know, she she's not the world leader, but she is pretty close to it with the 9.15.75 PR season best. She's won three Diamond League races, including Lausanne. And uh, I think she, I guess, as far as this, there is a favorite in the event this year, it's probably her. So I think for Coburn, just, you know, the biggest thing for Coburn is to Key on her just trying to win the race. And the Let's Run fans think that uh, right now they have her winning. They have 48% has picked her, 27% Nehamburra, 17% Tealu. is certainly capable of winning the race, but she needs to show that Lausanne wasn't a fluke. Uh, and, again, that you know she ran 9.15 at USA's in 90-degree temperatures, which is better than she ran at USA's last year in 90-degree temperatures. I think she's in great shape. She just needs to prove it. And uh, I think she will, but whether she wins, that's, you know, there are some other good women in the field. So I'm not entirely sure on that.
0: Should be okay, pretty, that nine,
2: good,
0: pretty good weather, about 78 degrees race time. I mean, it's a little bit warm, but the steeple's not that long of a race. So should be, you know, capable of a fast time. What I'm looking for, John, I mean, Nine Burrows has been, the, you know, winning everything, um, but I'm sort of looking to see if there's sort of a crack in her armor in the sense of, I mean, she started the year as a rabbit how could she possibly have been planning to be peaking at the end of August? I mean, I just think that she was, you know, probably told to get on a plane and go to Europe and make some money. And now, you know, this 21-year-old, very young, she turns 22 on Monday, is sort of, you know, the world championship favorite. So, you know, I think she'll either go one of two ways. I think we'll either find out that, wow, she's a little bit tired and not quite ready, you know, and maybe we'll see a sign of that tomorrow. Or we find out that oh my god, this is like a, the the biggest talent we've had in the steeple in quite some time. Um and she you because know, if she can go on this year and keep up what she's been doing, you know, at that age and sort of that in a much inexperienced, um, it's gonna be pretty special. So, um it should be interesting. I mean she's run well, you know, she's been first or second in every race she's run. Um but she has you know, hasn't had to run fast. I mean, nine twenty one, nine fifteen, nine twenty four, nine sixteen point nine nine. So um, you know, I, I think we will get a world leader. Um you know, it doesn't look like the times are that fast this year, but you know, there aren't that many people that have really run you know, there's a couple of people nine fifteen. If we get a couple of people under nine ten, that's about as good as we've had, you know, in recent years. You know, I think when Jenny Simpson was still in the steeple, it looked like it was gonna take, you know, sub nine for sure to win and probably sub nine oh five just a medal. But the, the the event probably because of drug testing has stepped back a bit. Where, you know, if you're in under 910 shape, you're in
3: the mix for the gold medal. Yeah, and then the 915 the that Simpson ran at USA's was was pretty Coburn. amazing. I mean, excuse me, Coburn. Um, I mean, no rabbit. She went out and almost ran a world leader in 90 degree heat. So she's definitely fit. I think the Le race was just an aberration and be interesting to see what she does here, but you know when we I spoke to her at u s a she said she views that she just you know she knows she needs to be in sub nine ten shape and she can't worry too much what the other women are doing. she just tries to get in the best shape possible and be ready for the worlds and um it's it's good to see her running a couple of races i think before worlds so, I mean as a fan that's what we need we we need the best competing you know not just at the world championships if we're gonna build a commercially viable sport. We need the best to compete from time to time. So I'm glad to see her giving it another go before Worlds. And, you know, we'll be back training after this one.
0: Yep. Uh, I'm going to read a few things from the chat box and encourage people listening to talk in the chat box. We're going to move back a little bit to the Goucher talk. Eric, our web programmer, said, I think the most obvious explanation is Kara was upset and fired up about what she observed and experienced at USATFs. And he had moments that you'd say public things, but in a calmer state, decided USADA is a better outlet than a public back and forth. So he was sort of on Kara's side. And then guest number two was not on Kara's side at all. He said, I think the Gouchers may have been trying to line up a a tell-all mainstream media appearance that didn't materialize. So, you know, I I think those two quotes right there show you sort of, you know, it's kind of like – the Yankees and the Red Sox, you're either on one side or the other. Um, You know, very many people, I think when this topic comes up, they're, you know, like, Oh, I see both sides. Um, So it's definitely an interesting thing. Um, Again, this is Robert Johnson. You're listening to a special edition of track talk live before the Monaco diamond league meet, which is tomorrow at 2 PM Eastern. Um, Feel free to post your questions in the chat box or on the message board. Um, and um, I do agree with Erica Web programmers in the AL East that Let's Run's favorite preference is Orioles, then the Sox, then the Yankees in that order. Sorry, John, and John would agree that the Sox are certainly ahead of the Yankees on that front. Um, in terms of the other races, um, you guys want to talk men's 800 or you want to talk, well, I guess since Walt said to save the women's 1,500 for last, we've got to go men's 800. Um, the men's 800 is going to be uh, you know, uh, another great clash between you know Mo Amon and Nigel Amos. Um, Nigel Amos certainly got the better of everybody last week, including David Rudisha, um in Lausanne But this week you're also adding in the world leader in Ayanlay Suleiman, who's run 143.08 Um, you know, Suleiman a couple of years ago got I think the bronze in the eight hundred, but said that he made a mistake in running eight hundred and was gonna run the fifteen hundred, but now he's actually leading the world in eight hundred. So, you know, I think I was thinking like a year or in 2013, yeah, why did he run 800? But then this year you see him leading the world and you're like, wait a minute, attempting to run 800 again. So, um, you know, when I I see this race, um, I I think that, you know, when I compare the 800 runners, I really think Amos is the man to beat. Um, He's got a winning record in his career against Amon. I think it's seven to six. And he's actually beaten David Rudisha every time they've raced, except for the first time, which was the Olympic final. So he lost that, and he's won five straight since then. So, I mean, who else can say that? So, um, you know, Rudisha's getting in better shape. He feels like he's in good form. You know, that's going to be exciting. But Suleiman is sort of the wild card here. Um, and I don't know where to rank him. You know, gosh. Um, I'm trying to and see what the Let's Run community is his voting. Forty two percent of the Let's Run fans think Amos is the winner, twenty six Amon and twenty six Suleiman. Um I really think it's gonna be Amos or Suleiman, but of course Amos was walking off the track injured, so ah. it, it's just it's kinda of like I don't see Mo Farah winning the fifteen hundred. Why would Suleiman win the eight hundred? But I don't want to rule it out. I I'm gonna go with um Amos and Amon just be too. He's been very inconsistent since he's joined Mark Rowland in the Oregon track Clock. So, Amos is my pick there. But, uh, what do you guys think?
3: I'll take a crack at it. This is Weldon Johnson. Um, It it would be interesting also to sort of hear the whole Radisha factor. He's not in this race, but hear guys talk about him. And Amon sort of has the Radisha mystique and he's. You know, in interviews, something came out this week, and he's just like, I think I can beat Radisha. He's still focused on Radisha. And then whereas a guy like, and I think a lot of the people who view Radisha as a world record holder remember Radisha 2011, 2012, um, you know, they think of him as being almost invincible. And there's guys like Amos who came onto the scene in 2012, and, you know, Radisha, he's a guy he beats almost every single time out. So it it just is an interesting dynamic. And you ask, you know, how could Suleiman win? Well, he is the world leader. So... If you're the world leader, you somehow won that race. Um, But I get the point. You know, you think oh, a 15-8 guy isn't as fast as a 4-8 guy, and the speed should sort of win out. Um, And you know that winning with a 143.08 was in uh, Barcelona. You know, not a it's not a Diamond League event, but he did get the Diamond League win. Suleiman did get the win in Doha, so he's undefeated this year at 800. Um, And you know that Barcelona race was just a little over a week ago, so you know I, don't, I I don't want to pick the fifteen hundred guy either um the question for me is Amos' health. I think if he's running, he's healthy, but it looked like some sort of possible injury last time out, so you know is he a hundred percent or is he like you know ninety eight percent i think ninety eight percent he might get beat here. It should be a tremendous battle between all three uh just since you guys just since Robertson you know you can't pick him, I'll pick him I'm gonna go with him in
2: i i think it's just such a crap shoot in the eight hundred when, you know, if David Radish is hundred percent, I think you uh you need the call. You just pick him for the win. But these guys have been, you know, beating each other. Like like you said, Robert, it was I think the record between Amos and Amon all time is seven and six. I think Suleiman is right there with them. Yeah, it's it's just very hard to pick anyone. And you know, right now Amos and Amon have sort of been splitting races this season. Uh Amos last year, I think you could say, was you know, kind of definitively better, but th- this year it's been more even between the two of them. So I think it's very, it's very difficult to make a pick one way or the other. Uh, Amos did have that big win in Lausanne, whereas uh, Amon wasn't really anyone to be seen, but Amon did the same thing in Doha in the season opener, and then he came back and won pre-Fontaine, and he won in Rome. So uh, or I think it was wrong, but he definitely won a pre, and he won another Diamond League 800 as well. So I I think I'm going to go with Suolong just because of that 143.08. Uh, he is the world leader. I think he, you know, he's in terrific form this year. I think perhaps even better, 800-wise, this may be the best shape he's ever been in. That was a PR, and I, I'm very excited to see what he can do against these guys. I hope that... Even without Reditra in the field, we can get a quick time because I think all three of them could run 142 right now. So uh, I'm going to go with Sulman as well, but I, I don't feel confident about it. But that's what makes this an exciting race, There's three yeah. guys who are uh, capable of winning. Well,
0: you know, one more thing about Amon. I'm quite proud of the staff that I came up with in our LaSalle recap. I mean, coming into the year, he had finished um, – you know, in the top three, top two of 35 of his last 43 races, top three, 39 of the last 43 races. So only four races in out of 43 had he not been top three. And then this year he's been eighth and ninth in two of his four races. So it's kind of weird. But then in between he had those two great runs. So, you know, we're talking, we're thinking about doing this track talk live talk, you know, regularly, maybe once a week on a Wednesday or Thursday. Maybe start having some guests. I, I would love to have Mark Roland on as a guest and say, "Explain that to me as a coach." Like you know, he's been all over the place. But you know, as a former coach myself, one of the things about the 800 that I would think you know, still would benefit in a world when there's a bunch of rounds. I mean, his 1500 strength could come through. And I also think, and this may sound counterintuitive to a lot of fans, I often think that a slower 800 would benefit a 1500 meter guy in the sense of people think, oh, a slow 800, you know. Helps sometimes a lot of fans think a slow 800 helps people who have a lot of speed, and I think it's just the opposite. A slow 800 helps more of a miler because an 800 guy is going to be tired no matter what when they get to 600 and an 800 because they don't have great endurance, you know. So they may only kick it in and you know, whatever they have, they normally kick it in 27. But a 1500 guy, if he gets to 600 and slow, you know, can really turn on a jet. So, you know, this is a rabbit race, it's not worlds. Um, so I, I would think it would, it would help more of a pure 800 guy, but that being said, filament has the fastest guy. So, you know, it's definitely something you're going to have to watch, um, to see. And then I think we've saved, you know, the best race really for last whoa, 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 one more thing. One more thing here on the 800. We can't
3: skip off the 800 too much. If we start doing this track talk regularly. We need to have segments and maybe a segment we could have would be, you know, the where your dreams become reality segment. And you know we we can't leave the 800 without talking about the uh, one American in the field, and it's you know not Nick Simmons, world championship silver medalist, or Dwayne Solomon, um, fourth in the Olympics, fastest guy in the last two decades in the U.S. It's Boris Berian, um, who had not run under 148 prior to this year. This year, now he's a one hundred forty three eight guy. Um, but, you know, he did not make it into the final at USA, so that was his last race. He has not raced in about a month. And here he is racing the world's best in the Diamond League final. I mean, in a, you know, in the Monaco Diamond League events, it's a pretty amazing story. And, you know, I hope, he, I hope he just takes in the experience, and I'm sure he hopes he has many more Diamond League events in his future. But it'll be interesting to see what he does. But, you know, it's his first European Diamond League events—it's on the grandest stage—and I hope he's able just when he's on that starting line to think like, you know, damn. Last year I couldn't even break one forty-eight. Look at me now—you um, yeah. know—it's it, also pretty amazing. It shows people say they can't get into meets. You want to get into meets, run fast. You know, this guy had done nothing before this year. He didn't even make the U.S. final, and they still him in the meet because he's run one forty-three. So, uh, you know. There are some injustices in the sport, but uh, you run fast enough, you'll you, you'll get yourself on the starting line of just about any race in Europe. Yeah. I mean, well, you raise a good
0: point there. I mean, I think a lot of athletes don't appreciate it while they're doing it. I mean, they think, oh, you know, I'm going to be even better next year, when sometimes you have a magical year. I mean, you would think, given his age and the fact that he's a 100-runner, he'd be on the Diamond League circuit for, you know, the next five years, certainly through this 2020. But then again, you know, I mean, someone like Brandon Johnson was kind of a one-hit wonder You know, he ran 143 in 2013. He's only managed 146 in 2012, 2014, and 2015. So you don't know, you know, what the future will hold. So you might as well, you know, enjoy it while you can. Um, But this is a big race for him because he was so disappointing, you know, at at USA's. Um, You know, I just don't know what happened there. But I, I think it's good for him to be in a big environment like this because you know, he needs some big, more big meat experience. He doesn't want to go into the Olympic year 2016 and really sort of the only high pressure situation um, that he's had, you know, his last real high pressure situation was like the USA meet when he didn't do well. So hopefully he can have, you know, a pretty long summer season here. Um, He doesn't have anything to peak for, so he can probably, you know, whenever they will let him in a big race in Europe, go over there and and take a crack at it. Um, So, you know, that certainly is, Something that, that I think all the American fans have been looking at um, on that front.
2: Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing for him is just getting these races, get experience running at a high level, because you know you can't really replicate. I think it would have been interesting. He probably didn't make the team for Pan Am's because he didn't even make the final. But I think it's going to be best for him to get experience running through the rounds, because you know he can run, if you get a one forty three PR. You can come through in any Diamond League race. You can probably run, you might be able to run somewhat close to that. But being able to do what Nick Simmons did and run 144 in the final of the USA, uh, there are very few runners who can do that. So I think, you know, one of the things is get experience in the Diamond League circuit, races like these, but also, you know, run USA indoors next year. Like, see if there's some other championship where you can run some rounds because I think. That is the other thing. You didn't get running in college. He ran one year at Adams State and then uh dropped out. So or yeah, so I, ineligible good point, John.
0: I I don't think running rounds the D two nationals is quite the same as running them at the USA meet. Um one thing maybe if I if I was his coach, you know, if I was Brendan Martinez's husband, I would try to replicate that that's a really good point, John. You could try to replicate maybe the rounds by, you know, running a Diamond League meet on a Thursday and then finding some more some more secure meet on a Saturday or Sunday. Just to practice those two races hard, you know, within the span of two or three days. Um, I do want to make one correction. I think Weldon, if I heard him right, said that Nick Simmons had run the fastest time in two decades in the U.S. in 2012. Like, Weldon, he said Dwayne Coleman. Yeah. Oh, Dwayne. Yeah. So at the Olympics, both guys ran 142, but Dwayne was fourth, 142.82, and Simmons was fifth, 142.95.
2: Um, I, so
3: I don't make mistakes. It would, that would have been the first public mistake on LetsRun.com for me. Yeah. Just kidding. Um before we turn to Mike Rossi talk, some of you guys want us to uh answer a few questions about Mike Rossi and uh we'll do that at the end. Um we we do have one premier event left and that's the Women's 1500. If you also if you want to call in and talk to us uh about Mike Rossi or anything, uh this is a special pre-Monaco edition of com's track talk. You can call in 724-444-7444. And then once you've done that, enter code 72655. Um, that information's at the bottom of the chat box if you're on the talk uh page. Um, if you'd like to call in, but uh, let's let's turn to the women's 1500. And this, you know, it's like I don't know, the world's come early because you may not even get this race at the world championships, but you've got the normal culprits in the women's 1500. Uh, you know, Jenny Simpson of most interest to American fans, but the people who you thought would be gold, who could would be contending for the gold. And then you have Gonzaga DeBaba, who just ran a 354 and said that came out today and said, like, yeah, she, that wasn't too hard for her, and she thinks she can run faster. I mean, it's like women competing on different planes, and if she just goes out and runs 352, she's going to beat everyone by four seconds. I mean, it, it's unbelievable that sort of it could almost be, um, I don't know, parallel universe is going on uh, John Robert, who wants to take a stab at this one first?
2: I'll, I'll take a crack at it. I think what's interesting to me is uh, does the Zimbabwean does that coach John right then do they take this race as sort of a, a preview of the world championship final because you've got a world championship final quality field and the way I see it, Debaba can either do it one of two ways. You can you know run a traditional 1,500 and just try and outkick people, maybe with a, a longer kick, or she can just try and run it from the gun, try and do exactly what she did in Barcelona and just have the confidence that no one else on the planet can run through 54, and that if she even comes close to that, she's probably going to win. So I, I think, you know, she, she's been pondering whether she's going to do the double in uh, Beijing, and it's, it's, it's possible. The 1,500 comes before the to 5,000. All the, the final wraps up for the 5,000 prelims. But you know what I want to see is, is you know do you think that this would make sense I guess what I'm asking you to preview the strategies she would try and use in the World Championship final um, and give people a look at what she's capable of? Well,
0: I mean, having read the... the if you go to the website and read the IAAF press conference highlights, and it's clear to me I, I thought you raised a good point. I mean, you might want to practice what you do at Worlds, which is a non-Rabbit race. But since there's Rabbits, it's clear to me she's just going to try to run as fast as she can. I mean, I was shocked by that quote that she said today. I mean, she said, you know, last week I ran 354 and it felt comfortable. Tomorrow I'm working to run faster. I don't know how much faster, but I'm going to go for it. So, you know, I think that um, who was it in that uh, what, uh, you know, it's like, um, excuse me, a uh, Dwayne Sullivan in the USA, She said what she's gonna do, and I, you know, I think she's gonna go for the gray zone, um, which kind of, you know, she's not trying to hide anything. It looks like. Um, so I don't know if that's, that's just necessarily think if that's the best strategy, um, for worlds. I mean, I would want to see how I could do off of a tactical race. I mean, I always felt like that was one of the problems Alan Webb had. He never runs really slow tactical races. Every race is rabbit in Europe. I mean, to me, it's boring, but. You know, I was just shocked by that quote. I mean, did did you guys watch the YouTube video of her running that race? I mean, when I watched it, it looked so fast to me. It looked like she was sprinting the entire race. Now, maybe it was the fact that she won by, like, was it 16 or 26 seconds. It was something absurd. (laughs) um, But it looked so fast there. So when she said it felt, you know, relatively Easy or comfortable. I mean, that was amazing to me. And then when you read the actual article, she said she's really changed her training. And this sort of gets to some of the things that I've said. I and mean, I heard a couple years ago from a top agent, he's like, Look, I really don't think that the Ethiopians know how to train for speed. He's like, They're not familiar with the middle distances. When the coaches do it, you know, they, they um, do way too much speed work and burn them out. So this year she said in this quote, She's like, You know, I feel like I, I found out that I have a lot of natural speed. So she's been focused just on her endurance work. Um, I've totally changed my train. I already have natural speed, which I don't need to work on. So I'm training. I'm working more on my endurance. I wanted to train more for the outdoor season than the indoor season. So she's found that she has great natural speed. She can run the 1500. I would keep training like that. I wouldn't change a damn thing. I wouldn't even try to do speed work before worlds. All she has to do is be in the shape she's in right now. She, you know, she can use these races as speed work. Um, so it, it, it's fascinating to me. I mean, I, I'm very excited about this race. Um, considering someone hadn't run under 3:55 since 1997, it's hard to predict that she's going to keep getting better. I mean, it's kind of like when Evan Jager was going to that Paris meet. I'm like, well, he should run an American record, but I don't want to predict it. Well, tomorrow, God, I mean, can we see 3:52? I mean, She ran three fifty four one. It wasn't like it was high. So she only has to improve by one point two seconds and we get a three fifty two. I mean, in that last meet it was run basically on the equivalent of a high school track. There was no stadium blocking the wind. Uh, I, I'm gonna go crazy. I, I other other ones are downplayed at times. I'm saying three fifty two tomorrow. I mean, this is really to me potentially historic. Um and so I'm very excited about it. So those are my initial thoughts. Um Robert, can I up
1: you know, in there
2: and say something real quick? I, you said that you don't want her to change anything and that you, you don't think she needs to do any speed work before Worlds. I'm going to disagree with you there. I think to run the 5,000, she doesn't need to change anything. But if she's planning on doing the double, I, I think going into Worlds without doing serious speed work, if you were trying to win the 1,500, is a foolish strategy. I think, you know, you don't need to change it much, but you need to be able to close in the women's 1,500. Like, Someone like Simpson, someone like Hassan, someone like Faith Kiffygon is going to be able to run 356, 357 and probably going to be able to close pretty quickly. I think she needs to do some specific speed work if she wants to run the 1500. For the If she's only doing the 5K, don't worry about it, but it's very difficult. I know that she has a unique talent, but I still think you need to do some sort of speed work when you're going to run a championship 1500, especially given her struggles at Worlds in the past.
0: Yeah, I mean she does have the mental component of struggling at worlds, but I mean, John, she's closed in sixty one one off of God, I mean, what was her twelve hundred split? She was supposed three hundred eight or twelve hundred, so I I don't even know she went three oh eight seven and then closed in forty five four. I mean how many times did Jenny Simpson close under sixty in a tactical race, let alone a three fifty four race? I mean, she's got <laughs> She's got great natural speed. So I mean, and I think you know, you might be afraid she couldn't change the gears, but I think the people that can change the gears are generally the people that have the best endurance. So, I've got to disagree. I just think do not mess with anything you've been changing. You start working on the speed work, and then you're going to lose your endurance for the 5,000, and Ayana's not chopped chopped liver there. So, I I, you know, I think the biggest thing she's got to deal with is she hasn't historically done it at Worlds. I mean, she doesn't even have a medal outdoors. So, um... You know, she could just do what she did throughout the world indoors which is just run away from everybody. Um, you know, in total
3: dominance, like a high school guy does in a meet when he's way better than everybody else. So um well what do you think about a uh, big question for me, well I mean you talk about seeing something historic. First of all, the uh it's a- unbelievable that the world record is three fifty point four six. So we're a long way from that. You know, drugs are not uh That record is 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 pretty amazing, but you know a woman running a 408 mile, uh, 407 mile, that seems you know I don't know, it doesn't seem too crazy. But uh, you know I think the the bigger question for a lot of American fans is if if um, DeBaba goes 354 a better pace, what does Ginny Simpson do? She's run a 357.22, and you know the big thing looming over is Mary Slaney's American record of 357.12, just you know 0.1 faster than what uh jenny's run, and so that you know if if it's a three fifty four race you know there's almost no excuse not to go for it, but almost in some ways if it's a three fifty four race i don't know you're just going out in such you know even different territory than usual you know a three fifty six race is different than a three fifty four race, so it will be interesting to see how you know jenny attacks it but but as you pointed out um when debaba ran the the, uh, three fifty four. She closed very well. So the opening split, what would you say to 308? Um, you know, if Jenny goes out and that and tries to hang on, she, she could get the record. So, um, I, I think this is, this is a big race for Jenny and a lot of reasons. Um, she said, you know, when I talked to her well, at, before pre I had the most time to talk to her and you know, she made it clear you know, this year is about the championship season. Um, not about running fast, but at the same time, to do well at championships, you've got to be in great shape. And if the opportunity's there, she you know, thinks if she's in contention to win a gold medal, she'll be able to run fast. So she's going to get that opportunity um, tomorrow for sure.
2: Yeah, I think if the Baba goes and runs a really fast time, I don't, I don't think she's going to run 352, like Robert said. I think she could run something close to what she ran in Barcelona, and if she does that, I think the rest of the pack will be fast enough that Simpson will get under that American record uh, and run, you know, something maybe in the 356 range. Um,
0: So one of the message boards, is this a question you all just answered? Sorry, I was trying to, there was a problem with the microxy thread. I was updating it on the message board. Um, I don't know if this is exactly the question you guys were just answering. Someone says, do you think Simpson will chase the Bob if the ladder sets American American rebel pace from the gun, or will she like to hang back and run for place? Um, the way I would answer that is I, I think Simpson has a very good sense of pace, not place. Um, and I don't think Simpson's going to go out in 61 or whatever Debaba did last year. I think Simpson probably thinks, you know, she's probably in something close to American record pace shape, you know, and, and, and certainly PR shape. So I think that Jenny will try to go run a PR, you know, and I I think she's really smart in the sense of, you know, she's not going to commit suicide out there. So, you know, her PR is 357.22, so that's what, 63 and change? So I would be shocked if she went out any faster than 62.5. I really think 63 flat is probably plenty fast enough for Jenny. It
3: should be tremendous. Um, before we turn to let's end with Mike Rossi um, but before we turn to that there's some tremendous sprint and field event action uh, in Monaco and I think we should just sort of briefly mention that because you know it it deserves mention the uh, Monaco Diamond League uh, YouTube page actually the thing they're highlighting the most is Justin Gatlin taking on uh, Jimmy uh, Vico of France who ran uh, what was it nine gosh now I'm going to Mess it up. Was it 985 time last week? 86? Yep. Which is a European record, I believe. Um, so, you know, they like that, you know, they have a French guy. You know, Monaco is its own country, but it's right next to France in the mix. And, and you know, there's a lot of French friends uh, at, at the meet. So, sort of at least having a European guy who, you know, they hope can challenge Justin Gatlin. I don't think anyone can challenge Justin Gatlin right now. Um, but you know, for the sprints, I think that's definitely the highlight. And then you have a tremendous men's triple jump w- once again. You know, they're they're jumping what is it, uh, 18 meters every time out. It seems like.
2: Yeah, I think the triple jump is the one to watch. This one, to there in a run away in the hundred that he always does. The only guy, the only guys that would be interested to see racing are Usain Bolt, which that's not going to happen until Worlds, and Andre De Grasse, and that's probably not going to happen until Worlds either. Uh, even DeGrasse, I think, is probably, you know, he's not on Dallas level at this point. But the, that triple jump, there's been some really great triple jumps this year. Uh, it's the one that Lausanne was the best, but, you know, it, it, Christian Taylor and Pedro Pablo Tado of Cuba have both just been, you know, phenomenal. Both have gone over 18 meters this year multiple times. Uh, and people have been talking about Jonathan Edwards' world record, which is 1829. Uh, of not being in jeopardy, and I think if you get, you know, it's, it's a tough off drop so they don't go in any specific meet, but if they get good conditions at uh, you know, a little bit of a tailwind, that could happen. So I think watching them go at it again, it's just, it's really incredible. When you see a long triple jump, you know, it's almost, they're going almost 60 feet in, in three steps, which is just, it's crazy. So uh, that's one of the events that's just, Awesome to watch, and uh, I'm going to be looking forward to another rematch between those guys. And you've got Marky Dendy and Omar Craddock, Craddock in this one as well. And Dandy was the NCAA champ. Craddock was the USA champ. So uh, two more great competitors in this field.
0: Is are on a 100
3: meters?
2: Uh, I believe he is.
3: So I think that's an interesting component. You know, I think Gatlin's still had, you know. Yeah. Head and shoulders above above him as well, but it'll be interesting for the American fans and you know, if, uh, he he's a what is he? I think he's a 20-year-old kid. I mean, he looks like a kid and he's, you know, he's like as talented as Justin Gatlin was, one thing people do forget is how talented Justin Gatlin is, and you know, a lot of speculation with his past about how can a guy this old be doing well, and his coach is a convicted drug cheat as well. So a lot of people naturally wonder, like, is he on something? Um, and to to give Justin the benefit of the doubt, he was the NCAA 100 and 200 meter champion as a freshman and a sophomore, which is just totally amazing. Um, you know, Romwell couldn't even do that, but the kid, he looks like a kid and he's, you know, running so fast. And so it's good to see him, you know, getting over in Europe and, and taking on the best in Monaco. Um, instead of, you know, sometimes guys just wait to worlds. And I think it's best, you know, you need to get out there and, and race and, you know, also for his career professionally, this this is the way to do it. You know, you, you need to learn how to race, um, in, in Monaco in July and still come back and run well at worlds in August. Um, Robert, so let's, uh, first of all, let's turn to, before we turn to Mike Rossi, Eric, can you hear us? Can you speak? I'm about to bring on L- LRC web guru, Eric Westland. I don't know if we have to unmute him. He has to I'm, unmute himself. I've unmuted if has, him. If he has to unmute himself, Eric, are you there? We're gonna we're gonna let people
1: um, answer web technical questions about what's wrong with the website. Um, All right. Sorry, I had, I, had, I had muted myself so I didn't burp on the air or anything like
3: that. Um, well, yes. Yeah, so... Welcome everyone. This is the, the brains behind the organization. You know, remember for you know guys. I see Hapsinets on the uh, call. He's a young high school guy. He probably doesn't remember. But let'srun.com used to like crash like every single day during major events, and now pretty much it never happens thanks to Eric. Um, so I want to give him a big thanks. But, uh, Eric, thank you for joining us. I don't, I don't know what you want to say, but um, well, well, welcome well, to I mean, the we call. What do you want to talk a about? Of, uh, Mike Rossi, doping, the web you know, server?
0: we well, talk about well, the web server, I've been getting a lot of calls from old timers, people saying that I up, haven't updated the website in five years, I mean in five days. And I keep telling them, hit refresh, there's something wrong with your computer. So, Eric, can you please explain that to people? Because we're still getting emails from a few people that are probably, most of them over the age of 50, uh, who are struggling with getting the updated website, for some reason.
1: Yeah, so this is uh, my mistake. We had some issues at USATS. Yeah, we don't crash as much, but we did get a lot of traffic with all the doping controversies combined with USATS. So I had um, been working to improve some things on how the web server serves pages, so that doesn't happen at all. And in so doing, I made a mistake where for a short amount of time, people got web pages that said, I'm cached, don't refresh me, you know, within the next few days. Um, So those people, if they just type letsrun.com, it's going to give them the old version. But if you hit F5, uh, it should fix itself forever, and it will just fix itself over time. Uh, so yeah, it's a frustrating mistake. What's frustrating about it, from a technical standpoint, is once it's done, I can't fix it on your computer. So we have to wait for you to fix it yourself, or just time to run its course. It is quite funny. Some of the emails we
3: got, we got one from some guy, and he said, "I get it. You guys hate Mofar, but change your quote of the day." And I was like, are he talking about?" <laughs> and I had been traveling. You know, I've been, I've now completed all 50 states, so I'd been offline. I don't even remember a Mofar quote of the day, and. Oh, right. uh what, what,
0: what if I went back to the old web page and changed like that page to say, like if you're having a problem with the website, hit F5? Uh, no, you'd have
1: to hack so everyone's computer. <laughs> it would work. Yeah, the, so Robert, to do that, you'd have to go on their computer. The issue is they're just not downloading the new page, um, not on through a fault of their own, through their browser saying, I'm happy, um, and don't want and need a new page, because that, that's the mistake that was... In the server headers, if you're a real technical thing, didn't have an expiration date set. Um, it just said to keep showing this page for the next week or something, and by <laughs> yeah, mistake, yeah. and it
3: went to a few people. And so, if they didn't hit that yeah. five in that
1: page, yeah, we use WordPress. It's a WordPress plugin. It's a weird default issue, so you don't want to blame your tools, um, but just the default settings for some reason did not um, set that header. So I fixed that, and everything should be good. Well, that's good to hear.
3: Um, I think, Eric, you're a Boston Marathon qualifier, correct?
1: Uh, Yeah, a long time ago.
3: Well, we, we all are. We're joined by this special momentous occasion. We have four Boston Marathon qualifiers uh, on this call at once, and I think this is a perfect opportunity to segue into the Mike Rossi article. It's generating a ton of publicity. I was a bit surprised, um, uh, but... Anyway, um, Glenn, I, a, I don't a, know a where to start with this. With it, 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 well, I, let's I, turn it over to Robert. I mean, Robert could have put his name on that article because essentially uh, 95% of that article was his, but he put, published it under the dot by, byline. But yeah, Robert, give us a quick overview.
0: Thank you, Weldon. That's Weldon trying to pass the whole lawsuit out onto my name. But no, um, you know, I don't know if you guys know, Mike Rossi is a probably 40-something-year-old man who, ran the Boston Marathon, and after he ran the marathon, he got a note from the the principal at his kid's school. He took his kids out of school to go up to Boston for the weekend. They missed Friday and Monday and Tuesday, I think, a couple days for sure. And he got a note from the teacher saying, yeah, I understand you take your kids out of school. Um, You know, it's an unexcused absence. If it continues, we're going to have to, you know, whatever, look into it. Um, And then Rossi sort of created a snarky response that he didn't actually send to the principal, but he put it up on Facebook. That he, you know, what do you think of this type thing? Um, and it said that his kids had learned more in two days in Boston than they would in an entire year in school and blah, 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 blah. And it was really sort of holier than that sort of tone. Um, and that sort of made him famous. He was on the Today show and all these television networks and stuff like that. And, you know, a couple people looked into it uh, and were like, wait a minute how did this guy qualify for Boston? Because everything else he had been running didn't indicate that he was capable of running anywhere. He, he qualified at the Lehigh Valley Marathon last year with 311.45. When everything that he had been running a 21.52, um, 5K, a 140, I mean, his half marathon PR is 140.42. So how do you run, you know, a full marathon significantly faster than that? Um, you know, everything that he'd been running indicated that he would run a marathon well over 330 and yet he ran 3.11.45. So a couple people looked into it and then sort of said, well, wow, that doesn't make any sense. And then they said, well, he's probably in the photos on the course. Well, he's not in any of the photos on the course, so everybody else was. So basically, I mean, you know, it's pretty clear if you you do the evidence and research everything that he didn't run the race. Um, He must have cut the course. Um, Unfortunately, the marathon decided not to disqualify him. Um, despite the fact that he's the only one in the entire field not to be photographed on the course, despite the fact that everyone um, that finished near him, you know, 311 is pretty fast in these races, um, was seen at three consecutive checkpoints on the course, uh, whilst he wasn't in any of those photos. So, I mean, all of this photographic evidence for everybody else is there, and for him it's missing. Um, they didn't DQ him because they claimed that, you know, there was no reports of wrongdoing as the race took place. So, uh, we just you know, the Let's Run community, a lot of fans, people probably never been to Let's Run, were sort of outraged by this, um, and sort of helped look through the photos and everything, and we had finally, you know, we, we we put off publishing the article for a while, we were waiting for the race, and the race said they weren't going to disqualify him, then there was some, a little bit worried about a lawsuit, and I got distracted with all these other meets, but you know, a lot of people kept emailing saying, look, when are you going to put this article out? So we finally put it out, um, to be honest, we probably should have put it out about six weeks ago, but I think it's really well researched. I mean, I think, you know, know, no, we don't have a video of him driving in a car when the race is going on. But, you know, I think anyone with, you know, a brain who believes in sort of, you know, circumstantial evidence, you know, would would realize that he didn't run this race. Um, So that's basically where we stand.
3: Yeah, it's amazing to also sort of, you know, the outrage. A lot of people are really upset with Mike Rossi, and uh, we should have had 1.1 on the call, employee 1.1 Steve Soprano. Um, And so a guy like, I mean, Mike Rossi is not at the level of Christian Hesch, but I think a lot of people understand why maybe, let's say, you know, Usain Bolt has not been tested positive, but someone like that, the top person in the world might cheat because – oh, they can be an Olympic champion. But they don't understand why someone below that would cheat because that's closer to why they run and compete and just to, you know, give it your all and be the best. So Christian Hesch a few years ago, who was, you know, a USA Nationals runner, Olympic Trials runner, who was caught doping. And the outrage against him, well, I swear it was bigger than if, um, you know, Mo Farah or Hussein Bolt tested positive. And Mike Rossi, people, you know, this thread's got, I think, how many posts on it now? Um I don't about know, like 10, 000, 000 or something. 000. A couple, a
0: couple of thousand. thousand photos and posts, which is pretty amazing, because when we were going to publish it six, almost seven weeks ago, it only hit 3,800. So I haven't even been really on the thread since then. I don't know what people have been talking about, because it was pretty much, you know, I mean, do I think that people that really understand running, I mean, when you're talking, you know, the difference between, you know, I think someone who doesn't run between a 3.30 marathon and a 3.10 marathon, oh, only 20 minutes. Well, 20 minutes is, is almost a minute a mile. I mean, you know, it's 15 seconds a hundred. It's four second, It's 15 seconds a lap on track. It's four seconds a hundred if I, if I could be Larry Ross. I mean, it's such just a gigantic amount. And then, you know, I think a few people said, well, when I first started running, I improved a lot. But the thing that's clear about Rossi is this guy raced all the time. Um, right. And sort of everything was very consistent in what he was racing. I mean, he was sort of projecting out at sort of, 60 65% of his age group you know projecting maybe at a 330 marathon 330 to 340 um and then all of a sudden he runs 311 so um which is just way 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 out there so you know it, it's definitely an interesting you know thing and I think I got interested in it because I just it was bothering me that people don't understand running you know and um the thing that was frustrating to me was Mr. Rossi said that, you know, that he had evidence that he he ran it and that he would provide it, you know, if Lehigh Valley, you know, once they you know made their decision, or when, I think once they DQ'd him, well, they didn't DQ him, so he hasn't provided it. So I've talked to his attorney. Um, he says he has photos of him on the course. Well, you know, if you have it, give it to me. And I've asked repeatedly for it, and they wouldn't give it to us. So, um, you know, and then it's sort of like – you know, how do you prove that someone didn't do something? Well, I, you know, I think really what I said in this article was, you know, given the lack of him showing up in any of the photos, you know, and there's basically a continuous photo at three different checkpoints, um, the lack of his PRs in any of these races. Um, this is the fact this is a guy that trains with a GPS watch. You know, it would be pretty easy for me to prove that I ran this race time or, or I was capable of running this time. I would have training partners, you know, he should, in practice should be able to run a 20 minute 5k in practice with his buddies um they should come out you know i'm sure when you guys ran races you had friends on the course that saw you at the 18 mile mark or took a photo of you um you know he said he had his phone at the start and then he turned it off okay well let us see the gps you know data for your phone so you know it, it's you know i think that just people have you know we don't have evidence of him cutting the court of him driving on on the course you know no but he hasn't provided a shred of evidence saying that he's sort of indicated of, you know, that he's capable of it. So, um, you know, it's an interesting case. You know, one thing I said on there is, okay, you know, prove to me that George Washington didn't watch television. You know, you, uh, oh, I did it. You know, Mike said like, I ran the race. Proved to me I didn't. Well, I can't prove to you that George Washington didn't run and watch television. I mean, maybe he invented it and just didn't tell anybody. But there's no evidence at all that George Washington ever watched television. So I, and I would put that in terms of, the only evidence that Mike Rossi ran this race is that he showed up, his ship was tied to the start, and he showed up in the
3: photo's finish. Um, so, I think what's I interesting think a about, thing is the- a testament to the Let's Run.com community. I mean, Robert spent a lot of time writing the article, but it wouldn't have been possible without sort of the wisdom of the crowds of all the LRC regulars, and people spent a ton of time. I mean, it's One of the photo checkpoints, you know, one guy went through all of them and put it into a GIF, and it's on YouTube now. You can read the article. It's pretty amazing. made a show, you know, how pretty much every single person um, else in the race showed up at the photos except for this one guy. Um, And, and, you know, the sad thing for me is, you know, Mike Rossi wants to have – talks about wanting to, you know, teach his kids a lesson. And, I mean, maybe the type of person who would do something like this could never do this. But I think the real lesson would have been to, you know, show his kids that, you know, he made a mistake and we're all, we're all human Um, and we all make mistakes, some bigger than others. But, you know, I think one thing, you know, sport shows us, it's a reflection on life. And, you know, we used to have the, uh, you know, what the Lance Armstrong building at Nike and what other buildings do we have? Was it Roger Clemens? And, you know, even now we've got, you know, got the Alberto Salazar building and, um, I think if we if we, and we keep making buildings after people, you're going to be disappointed. We're all humans. We all make mistakes. And I think that would be a much better lesson to, to, for his kids to learn. You know, when you make a mistake, you pass up to it and move on. And, you know, I wish that's what Mike Mike had done. But instead, you know, he's still in the denial mode. And one question, Robert, a lot of people have is you sort of issued this $10,000 challenge. And people, being let Runners, they've noted that they think the uh 5K portion of the challenge is a, is a bit easier. You want to comment about that and, and say whether you'll actually pay up?
0: Well, I just don't think he's going to be able to hit the challenge. I mean, I, I, if, if in case you're not familiar with what we're talking about, um, you know, we said that we would give Mike Rossi $10,000 if he ever if he could run just a Boston qualifier. We're not talking 3:11. We're talking 3:25. So we're getting him almost 14 minutes off of what he supposedly ran. Um, we also said we'd give him $10,000. He broke 70 minutes in a standard 10-mile course or 20 minutes for 5K. So 20 minutes for 5K, um, you know, according to me, it's is a 314-53 marathon. So I, I don't think that's anywhere close to what he's shown that he's capable of. So um, I'm not too worried about that. Um, you know, I, again, I don't think that he ran the race. I'm very, extremely confident. If this was a criminal case, I would definitely feel guilty. Um, you know, to me, there's no reasonable doubt. Um, and it sort of bothers me how people view evidence, um, you know, it's like, uh, anyways, it's just sort of, well, very statistical in nature, I guess.
3: Yeah, and so I, the answer is yes, we will pay up. Um, Robert's known for making these kind of crazy outlandish bets, but if someone calls us on one of the bets, um, we will uh, pay up. Um
0: if you're just but it, know, now the, uh, we got good news. The Mike Rossi thread is back on the forum. Apparently, the first post had been deleted from the forum for like three weeks. Someone said, so I don't know how that's possible to happen, by the way. So somehow the thread was still there, but unless you knew the thread number, you would never see it. So I don't know if people got tired of it having it on the homepage. As well Weldon did that or something, but um, you know, anyways. But people talk about uh, confessing their mistakes. Weldon, I, I will. I think we should confess a mistake in the sense of. The Mike Rossi article has only been up for a couple hours. It basically got close to 400 Facebook likes and retweets or tweets, whereas the Monaco preview only has two. So the Mike Rossi story appears to be 200 times more popular than you know our Monaco preview. So we probably should have devoted the entire um, track talk to the Mike Rossi story. So we apologize to our fans for not giving them what they want, but it is our show. And I also should personally apologize. I did talk about the Nike Alberto Salazar doping allegation. I've been getting it, going through an email or going through a debate with somebody who says I'm unqualified to talk about that matter because I once gave Sudafed to one of my athletes at Cornell. So I will confess, everybody, this is a doping confession by Robert Johnson, an athlete that I coached at Cornell did indeed take Sudafed. Um, so John,
3: Robert, uh, Eric, you still there? Any, you know, this is. I think we should wrap up now. Anyone sort of have any sort of parting thoughts on Rossi or Monaco? Uh, Eric, I'm kind of curious to see what you're actually most interested in,
1: just in the had, running world in general. Yeah, I had three thoughts on Rossi. Um, the first was that. Well. Involving the 20-minute 5K bet, I was thinking about, I used to coach high school kids, and I was thinking about the kids who actually trained hard and kind of topped out at 22 minutes. You know, Rossi, I mean, from the evidence, he raced before. So, you know, his 5K times, his other times were at his limit. And to go two minutes in the 5K at that age, it takes uh, quite a bit of improvement. So I think you guys are probably safe. I know this for a fact now because... I'm out of shape and I gained some weight when I got married and running a 20 minute 5k would be very tough, but running a 3:40 40 marathon, um, I could actually do that right now. Uh, the second thing, which was really interesting is I gave up on the thread too, but I stopped in on it like three weeks ago and some of the drama in there was just incredible. So apparently like Mike Rossi has a rival DJ cause that's his job, like being a mobile DJ for like weddings and things. Who's been trolling that thread too, trying to make him look bad? So the thing has taken on this like whole social dimension, which is
0: um,
1: pretty pretty fascinating. Um, but it just I don't know how they how much, so many posts are on that thread. I can't keep up with it.
3: Yeah, people uh, want to know if if um, you know we've think Morassi's been posting on that thread, and I haven't really looked into IP addresses or anything. But you know, a guy uh, I think his name's Tony Rigdon, He posted a YouTube video. Uh, and I assume he linked to it on the thread. And soon after that was posted, Rossi tweeted out a a photo of him, um, you know, after he wrecked his bike really badly in a uh, triathlon accident, you know, almost killed him. Yeah. Um, So, you know, Rossi, that's at the bottom of the article. Rossi's definitely paying attention to all this. So my assumption is, yes, of course he's reading the thread, Um, you know, and his why sort of threatened us with legal action if if we published it. But uh, you know, the best, sense versus libel or slander is the absolute truth, and we more than gave him his opportunity to clear his name. And the evidence is it's just beyond overwhelming. Uh, anyone who, who is a serious runner, um, one knows that you know the improvement that he's talking about is, is just not really feasible. And then throw that on that he's the only guy who doesn't have photos in the entire race, and it, it, you know it's about you know one out of about ten million that he that he somehow ran that thing didn't show up in the photos. So we were talking about alternate universes earlier. Um, You know, maybe if Mike's in one of those, he he somehow did the race. You know,
0: the thing that interests me about the story is just how passionate people are. I mean, I I kind of – I don't know if I'm energized or upset. I mean, people – I wish people – we're that passionate about the building fight in our sport, and maybe are maybe people are Maybe that's why the sport's not as popular. I mean people are outraged that this guy cheated in his marathon and ran you know she's cheated about that. Well, I think that shows you why our sport is really struggling with credibility because nobody believes the performances i mean when i when I talked to you know John Kellogg, who was Weldon' a nice coach and sort of our inspiration for this entire website. It's like when I talk to him about pro running, I'm like, oh, do you think X runner can do this? He's like, do you think any of these times are clean? I mean, he, like, he's become so jaded. And I was like talking today about, um, well, I don't want to reveal the event because, you you know, who we're talking about, but basically, you know, you know, when I compare stuff, like, you know, if I'm talking about the 5k, I'm like, well, I can see people running, you know, a minute faster than my brother. And I can see people running a minute and a half faster than well than the 10k. So, Under that scenario, it seems doable. If Walden ran 28 minutes, somebody could run 2630. But, you know, it's just – yeah, I I do – I think – I guess I'm encouraged in the sense of people – it shows that people do care about truth and morality. um, But I also think it shows sort of one of the problems the sport has. I mean, if people can't even agree on this, if the Lehigh Valley organizers – and I know that they're run by a charity, but if you can't look at this within honestly about – one hour looking at all the facts and think, yep, this guy cut the course. You know, just the sport's got a problem. Imagine how hard it is to prove that someone had something in their body. You know, it's like, you know, it's, it's hard to get 12 people in this in this world to, to agree on anything. So uh, it certainly shows some of the problems the sport has. But, uh, you know, it's exciting to uh, – I'm very excited about Monaco, and I think I'm most excited about the 1500s. I mean, I, I can't pick one more than the other. Um, so
2: that's what I'm most excited about.
3: Anyway, I had you guys on mute. Um, well, I guess maybe Mike Lossi is a, a good way of ending it. Um, and it should be a tremendous meet tomorrow. What uh, what time is the meet? I've been sort of so out of pocket. Usually they're at 1 o'clock Eastern. Is that correct for tomorrow? 2 o'clock Eastern. 2 o'clock Eastern. So it's 2 o'clock Eastern, and this one is, uh, I think, on live on BN Sports or the BN Sports uh, app, which is a great way to watch the meets. It should be tremendous. Um, and, you know, this is, as Robert pointed out, we did do a track talk. I guess it was July 3rd. So we want to start doing these more regularly and hopefully bring on a guest or two. And it's my goal to make our first guest, uh, Evan Jager, so hopefully next week we'll have a track talk. We'll, we'll be joined by Evan Yeager. Um, uh, unless anyone else has any sort of parting comments, I think it's time to sign off and uh, wish everyone a good night and, you know, get ready for tomorrow's diamond league meet. And uh, thanks for joining us. And, uh, you know, thanks for being a part of the let community. You know, the community sort of outed Mike Rossi and that, you know, people sort of are, can be critical of the community, but it's like any other community to, it's got its problems but there's just so much good in the community and people are so passionate about the sport we love so I just want to give a shout out to everyone for doing that um, until next week this is Weldon Johnson signing off thank you everyone for joining us